What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode three of Bag Talk. I'm here with my good friend, Justin Allen. Justin and I met uh, at RIT. He just graduated a couple months ago in May. We're both studying business. We uh, joined the same business fraternity. I joined after he did, but um, he was one of my first friends in it and one of my closest friends now from school. Before we get started, Justin, I want to acknowledge you for your crazy understanding of balance. You have such a good balance in all the things that you do, whether it's responsibility and having fun whether it's taking care of yourself and taking care of others. Um, you always seem to find a way to, to walk that very fine line between too much and not enough. So before we get started, I just wanted to acknowledge you for that. And it's definitely inspired me to seek more balance in my life. Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Um, I guess uh, coming right back at you, I want to acknowledge you for always uh, being that guy that wants to be uncomfortable. I, that's always never been a strong suit for me. So uh, it's a big inspiration for me. So yeah, thank you. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. Um, you got a really exciting story and a really cool story to share. Um, so I figure, why don't we get started with when you graduated high school and what your mm -hmm. journey has been from then until you graduated college just a couple months ago in May. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll, I'll start with um, ever since I was like, like 14 years old, I'm going a little bit further back than you thought, but um, I struggled with, didn't quite know at the time what it was, but I struggled with like uh, depression, anxiety and things like that. Um, and it did, maybe doesn't make sense right away, but that kind of plays in a lot into my story. Um, and so by the time I finished high school, I was at a point where I didn't have a lot of uh, self-confidence. I had that kind of that bravado confidence at the end of high school, but not a lot of self-confidence. And uh, I didn't have a lot of discipline. So I decided and, you know, somebody asked me at one point to like write a one page paper on what you wanted to do. Um, I knew I really enjoyed being around like dogs and animals. I was really good at that. And then I knew that, I didn't want anybody to be my boss. So I decided that I wanted to be a veterinarian and own my own practice. Um, so I, and that, this was kind of just, the only reason I chose that is because somebody challenged me to. Um, and so I, right after high school, uh, I basically didn't get into any of the colleges that I uh, applied to. So I went to the local community college, um, spent a, about two months there before I just was over it and stopped going. Um, and I, I mean, it's a perfect example of like, you, you really need to be aware of where your passions lie and everything. Um, animal sciences, biology, um, all of that stuff that you have to do for four years before you get into veterinary school. It just was not for me. I talked to a couple of veterinarians and they were just absolutely miserable. So I uh, kind of didn't, I didn't quit that the right way. I just kind of walked away from it. Um, and I, you know, started right into the work world. I had a couple crappy jobs and then finally ended up uh, at one of the local uh, hospital networks working for them. I was there for about four years and during that four years, I think I did most of my growing up. Um, I thought that I was, um, and you know, I don't know, bleep me if you want, but I thought I was hot shit. Um, I came in and I was the biggest, baddest. 
Um, I, really all I knew was that when I had a goal, I knew how to work and achieve it. Um, I didn't know dynamics between people. Um, I was kind of hot headed, things would bother me and I would go right off uh, the handle. So um, during that four years, I had not a lot of mentorship, but I had situations that would that kind of put, put me in my place. Um, and so finally, by the end, um, you know, I tell people all the time, I went back to school out of spite. I, um, at the end of that four years, I had applied probably six or seven times for a supervisor position, passed up every single time because I didn't have a, a degree um, and passed up for people that I was, you know, uh, objectively more qualified for the job. So I, uh, I decided, you know, I'm going to go get a degree and not come back just to, <laughs> just to spite these people. Um, and that's where I, I started out with a business administration degree. And like I said before, the passion and, and knowing where your passions lie and in the same breath, breath that you have to give up on things that you don't have passion in, you have to really aggressively go after the things when you find a passion. Um, I, Really loved business right from the get-go. I was doing really well in it. Um, I went straight for accounting and uh, it, to the point where I didn't want to keep going to a community college to get my two-year degree. I just wanted to get to a four-year college and and bang this thing out and, and show basically just show the world what I could do um, with everything that I had learned. Uh, so I, I did that. I went to RIT, um, met a bunch of phenomenal people. Um, had some, had some setbacks, but mostly it was all, you know, you know, wins, um, and just worked my tail off until I could get, get, uh, to where I am now and, uh, just ready once the world stops ending, <laughs> just ready to go ahead and, and show everybody what I got. Awesome, man. And I think something that you hit on that was really cool there was, knowing what you want and knowing what you don't want and then going mercilessly after what you do want. I think that's kind of going to be more of a recurring theme, especially in the world we live in as times advance. There's so many ways to get what you do want out of life, especially with the internet, with cell phones, you can, you can make all the money in the world. You can have any job you want from your cell phone. So it's almost like figuring that out is worth its weight in gold. So you don't end up living miserable life and you live something that you're genuinely happy with. Um, but before we go any further, I want to go back to, you said that four year period where you really started growing up. What were some of the biggest lessons from that four year period, both in a professional standpoint, right? Like you couldn't get the job because you didn't, didn't necessarily have the degree that they wanted as well as personally. Um, I, I think that beyond um, you know, I, I, like I said, you know, I, I did all that kind of out of spite, um, air quotes if we're not doing video, but, um, but the ability to understand that, um, it's okay for other people to have, you know, aspirations and, uh, you know, things that drive them that are different than yourself. And that leads them to have different goals. And the ability to reconcile your goals and the things you want to get done with what everybody else wants to get done is worth its weight in gold. Um, you can't really operate and expect 
that being like I was like that hothead and being able to just run people over uh, and to get what you want is going to get you much further than like a year or two down the road. Um, I because of my ambition and because I worked so hard, I had, I want to say three or four promotions in my first two, two and a half years, um, which is, you know, a, a little bit more than normal. Um, but I got up to the point where um, everybody had the same skills as me, um, maybe not the same drive and efficiency as me, but um, that it only gets you so far when you start creating those relationships and having empathy and understanding where everybody's coming from and kind of doing this thing where you lift everybody up along with you. That's where real progress and real, um, you know, you, everybody can reach their goals and it's the fastest way for you to reach your goal. I got goosebumps, brother. That was really cool <laughs> to hear. That was really, really awesome. And I think that also speaks to the fact that you can learn lessons from everywhere right? Like you weren't in school at the time. Like you don't have to go to school to learn lessons. You can learn so much about yourself and the world around you just from what you do on a daily basis and who you surround yourself with. So I think that's a really major thing is that you weren't like, ah, shit, this situation sucks. I'm just going to be a Debbie Downer and not use it to my advantage at all. You were like, Hey, like this is my life. I'm living it. I'm going to find a way to make it work for me. So that's really, really cool. So now, fast forward, you're at RIT. What actually, let's go back to when you were at community college. What did you like about business, right? Accounting is very different from veterinary studies um, yeah. <laughs> and, and taking care of animals. Yeah. And you can have passions in multiple areas, but those two are not related at all. Is there anything <clears throat> similar between them that, that you found enjoyable or what drew you to something, I guess, forgive me for saying as dull, but as dull as accounting compared to something as cool as veterinary studies? Yeah, I mean, so originally coming in for business administration, I always knew, um, you know, like I, I had worked with my dad in the past. Uh, he had a, a general contracting business uh, since like the 90s, had some, you know, pretty much career ending injuries. And uh, we were working to kind of build that back up. And it, um, it started off as kind of this idea of building like family wealth. Um, so you, you, you've got the business and if anybody in the family, whether it be my brother, my sister, uh, anybody it can go ahead and contribute to that and then, you know, reap the benefits or there's always kind of that windfall that supports the family. Um, and that was a really kind of attractive thing. I've always been very family oriented. Um, but, you know, as I moved on, uh, I kind of realized that I didn't want that, you know, very broad uh, you know, approach to business, uh, as much, uh, I thought that accounting was this very interesting, um, a, a, when you learn a technical skill, uh, it's, you kind of get wrapped up in the applications of it. And so like with accounting, uh, the applications are so limitless. Um, it's, it's, you, you've got like the rules that surround how you can practice accounting, but you can be so creative with it. Um, you know, from instances where just something as simple as like a transaction, you can have a transaction be half cash, half trading a uh, service or partially trading, uh, you know, equipment and things like that. I thought that was so cool that you can explain pretty much any situation with debits and credits um, where you're passing value from one party to another. 
Um, and that original passion and understanding for like the value of accounting kind of carried me through it. Um, now, while accounting is probably not going to end up being my profession going forward, um, I think that that is probably the most valuable part of my education in that it, it gives you that understanding of, you know, describing the world around you in a way and accounting for everything in a way that's, that's valuable and, uh, and gives you real insight. Um, so, yeah. That was a, a really cool answer to hear. I don't think I would ever say anything like that. And I think it's very obvious that you uh, studied accounting from the way that you talked about it. So <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't, I can't imagine even thinking about thinking about it that way. I took a few accounting classes, both in high school and in college. And I was like, oh, these are just numbers, you know? But, yeah. There's a couple of business students that are going to hear this and start rolling their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is where they tune out. Right. So, so one thing you mentioned there was that family is very important to you you have two siblings a brother and a sister and i believe if i'm correct they graduated college before you did correct yeah so what is it like having a younger brother and a younger sister who i guess by society standards have reached more success earlier than you did it make you feel bad did it make you feel good about the path you were taking and what you learned what was that experience like um so I think, um, and this is, this is a lot of where, you know, uh, like I had mentioned before, the depression and anxiety kind of uh, comes in is that, um, and that's not to say that my brother and sister didn't have struggles. Um, I admire them so much for everything they went through. A lot of the things that, um, you know, we went through as a family are some of the things that play into the things that I struggle with. So um, I, I know that they're super strong people and they've, uh, they've overcome so much to get to where they're at. I'm so proud of them. Um, so the, as far as, you know, the way that I have kind of uh, moved forward in my life ever, ever since a little kid is that, um, you know, I, a specific example that comes up is my uh, uh, driver's license. So going to get my driver's test. My brother actually had his permit before I did, and I'm a full two years older than him. Um, and the, you know, the excuse, I guess that I give is that my mom never let me until my grades came up or like I showed some sort of responsibility. Um, and I think that, you know, it would have been easy for me to check all of her boxes and just say, okay, I've cleaned my room like every week for two months. I've got my grades up. I've, you know, X, Y, and Z. Can I go get my permit now? It would have been easy for me to do that, but there was a part of me that was very scared of like the change that had to happen in, in me to be ready to start driving. Um, and so, so to even get just behind the wheel of a car on the road, something that every 16 year old kid is just like dying to do, uh, was like almost crippling for me. And so I, and I hid behind those, those excuses of, well, my mom's not letting me. Um, and so, you know, kind of, and my brother never really dealt with that. He's always been the, my brother, like he's the type that saves, you know, 50 cents out of every dollar. And, and he's, he works really, really hard at school and never really came perfectly natural to him, but he worked really, really hard. So I knew that his path was going to be more traditional um, and like I said before, I couldn't be more proud of him. Um, I don't want anybody to think that I'm, I'm talking down on the traditional path because it is, 
it's the traditional path for a reason. It works for a lot of people. Um, so when I decided to go and work, um, I think the support from my family in that regard um, kind of got me through it. I saw all the people that I went to high school going to these phenomenal schools in, you know, whether it's University of Buffalo or, you know, some of the Ivy Leagues, Cornell, Brown, Yale, things like that. Um, and that was, you know, for somebody that's got, again, anxiety and depression, that it weighs hard on your mind that um, the place that you came from has the potential of producing these types of things, but um, you weren't one of those. So I, um, my family really supported me and like my brother and sister were never the types to go, Oh, we're in, we're in school and you're not, um, we're going to end up to be more than you. They were the ones that were like, Hey, you're working, you're, you're making something like on your terms. So, um, when I finally got to RIT and I think I was 25 when I started RIT, maybe, yeah. I, it was either 24 or 25 when I started RIT, well beyond, you know, all of my friends from high school had already graduated their undergraduate degrees, potentially gone to grad school or gone into their careers. Um, and so I, it was completely uncharted territory for me. But at that point, I had already kind of come to terms with the fact that my journey was completely different. Um, and it, I never would have been successful had I not had the experiences that I had before and gotten to the right places at the right time. Um, so I, I'm, I just feel really, really good about everything that happened up until now. I, there's very few regrets. That's amazing. I think especially when someone takes a little bit of an untraditional path, it's hard to not think about things that you could have done differently or things that you regret, but to be able to be grateful for it, and to know that every single part of it has made you into what you are today and what you are going to be in the future is amazing. Um, especially so when it has to do with any sort of uh, like setbacks in life or traumas or any, anything like that, it really just makes you so much more powerful. And I think it offers a very unique perspective to you in the world. And, and speaking of unique perspectives, like you said, you were at RIT at 25. That's when you started. I started at, at 19. So very different, you know, um, what, what did that unique perspective offer you when going through school? Um, I I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I did come into RIT with a bit of a, um, a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Um, I coming from MCC, I was among a bunch of uh, MCC has a very high population of these non-traditional students. Um, whether they're, you know, single moms going back, trying to, you know, make a better life for their kids, or um, there's a lot of uh, military veterans that are uh, finally getting the chance to go back to school and, you know, pursue the things that they're passionate about. Um, I came from that and then kind of went into this situation where I'm in a class with a bunch of 17 to 19 year olds. Um, And it, it was a bit of a shock to the system. Uh, you can't have the same conversations with those people. Um, and I was very, very concerned that I wasn't going to be able to make connections with these people. I was going to kind of have to uh, go through my entire college career at RIT with like this five year mental gap 
over my peers. Um, and it wasn't until I, um, and I, I, I will say that I did have friends that uh, I knew prior to going to RIT and I, um, and they did their best to go ahead and introduce me to people. Um, but it really wasn't until I met people at DSP that I started to realize that there, in any situation, there are people that you can learn from. Um, and it's, it's, it's really, really important to have that open-mindedness uh, coming into any new situation. Um, I've, I've learned to recognize the anxiety that comes with that. The, and then, uh, you know, you, you kind of have to tell yourself these stories of, um, I, I am not perfect and every situation has its part to, to teach me something. Yeah. Real quick, uh, tell the people what DSP is. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, DSP is the uh, professional business fraternity. So Delta Sigma Pi that both myself and uh, Rohit are a part of. Um, one of, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit later on, but one of the most formative, uh, you know, times in my life, probably the most um, phenomenal organization. And it's done so much for me. Yeah. So I guess instead of later, let's just hop into it now. What is it, <laughs> what has it done for you? Um, what have you learned from the people that you've met? Um, obviously you're very well respected within the organization. You've been able to make friends and be a good leader to a variety of people of different ages, different walks in life, different creeds. So what was it like to bond with such a wide variety of people? What was it like to, to gain friends that didn't think anything of what your story up until RIT has been. Yeah. I mean, so uh, it, it kind of goes back to that whole thing. I, I wasn't sure I was going to be able to make any, any meaningful relationships at RIT. Um, and I came in and I uh, had DSP and um, it really came down to like the, even the first day I went to an info session and they started talking about, you know, what they can offer and everything. And I was already kind of sold at that point. Um, I wanted to get into extracurriculars and DSP just kind of felt like the, the common sense answer. Um, but at that point it was, um, I think everybody has that moment of putting it on their resume. Um, at that point I, I was just there. And then after this info session, all of the, um, we call them brothers regardless, it's a, it's a co-ed fraternity. Um, and so all of the brothers went to one of the coffee shops on campus and um, we all just kind of sat there and talked. Um, in the info session, obviously you got, you got a little bit of this, you know, I'm, I'm impressive, you should be impressed by me um, and you should consider me for, for a bid. But um, in that situation, everybody just kind of, it, relax into their natural state. Um, and I remember one of the first interactions I had was with the, uh, with Amelia and she went on to be the president of my senior year with, uh, Delta Sigma Pi. And she was just so interested in everything that brought me to that point um, and was so willing to share what she had and be interesting. Um, so it, it, I just kind of knew um, my mom says this thing is, you know, when you find your tribe, that's when you can be like kind of truly happy. Um, and I was just, whether I realized it at the time, like that ended up being 
my tribe that day. Um, and so DSP, it was easy for me to pour everything I had into DSP after that day um, because DSP had done a lot for me even from day one. Yeah. Awesome. So meals, if you're listening, I don't know if you are, you just got a, you got an unreal shout out. Right. <laughs> um, what do you think it was about your conversation with her? Obviously you said she was just so interested in everything that, um, that, that she, or that you had gone through. You mentioned family a few times. You've mentioned tribe a few times. What is your definition of tribe or family or home? I would say um, that it, there, where you have something in common that is beyond um, like a, a label of identity, I guess. Um, something that is unifying. So with, uh, with DSP, um, even before people come in and they get indoctrinated into, you know, what we believe in and everything, um, we can often see when somebody is a good fit and they, they are part of our tribe, I guess you'd say, um, because you can talk to them and you're just speaking from, you know, a place of knowing DSP. Um, and then you can see it, it kind of in their face that it, that it just resonates with them. It goes in one ear and, you know, kicks around in their head and their face lights up and they can, they can come right back to you with the same energy and the same understanding that you came to them with. Um, so, and then, you know, it really all falls into place. Uh, so that to me is what finding your tribe kind of feels like is that, you know, everything that comes your way just completely resonates with you and gets amplified by your energy. Um, and it's just this, this snowball effect of finding it. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. That's super cool to hear. And I think that, um, I mean, I feel like we're going to be lifelong friends, obviously a very good friend in you. And it's, it's super cool that you found something that is bringing good people into your life. And hopefully that'll continue um, for a long time. Something that I notice you have in common with a lot of the people that we are friends with is you love EDM and you love raves. So completely unrelated <laughs> to everything we've discussed at this point, why do you love raves so much? Oof. Okay. Um, man, I you're gonna make me like hang my hat on this whole anxiety and depression thing. <laughs> and, um, my journey of overcoming that really, uh, as much as I don't want it to be, and I, I don't want it to be this big thing that defines me. Um, it is, it's a part of me. Um, so for a while there, I, you know, I was that kid that kind of just enjoyed like Skrillex and, you know, uh, bass nectar and those, those ones that really kind of snuck into the mainframe from the underground uh, back in the day uh, when I was in high school and uh, all of you EDM purists that uh, say that this has been going on for decades, please don't at me. But <laughs> um, that's, I, I started from that and then I kept kind of toying with the idea of going to a festival. Um, and everybody kind of says that there's, there's these like magical places. Um, but I really, I wasn't about, the uh like underlying maybe not underlying but the surrounding scene of it the environment um drugs really weren't my thing I, i've had bad experiences um surrounding that so 
um, when you, you, and when the media says, you know, these raves are just, uh, ecstasy crazed lunatics. Um, it's hard to kind of get into that and, and think that that's something that you would, you would jive with. Um, but I finally got the opportunity. I went to, um, EDC Orlando. So electric Daisy carnival, their Orlando edition down there, um, flew myself and a friend down there, um, kind of just on a whim. Uh, my plans fell through with somebody else. I was like, you know what? I'm not giving up on this. I've won so many of these artists. I'm so into, um, I listen to them every single day. Like I'm riding to work and everything. And so I went down there and spent way too much money, but like let go of everything. Um, and within 10 minutes of walking in, uh, I had, we had people like come up to us and we're just talking to us about, absolutely nothing at all <laughs> and it was it was incredible and anybody who found out that it was our first festival were like immediately like they take you under their wing they're like okay we got to show you everything that's amazing about festivals we got to take you um and it, like it, i'd be lying if i said people weren't like oh you know you you trying to you trying to roll you trying to all this and that and uh when i'm just like no i'm, I'm really just kind of here for the music they're like that is so freaking cool like you it, they you can, can, you can swear, uh, by the way you can swear okay <laughs> <laughs> that, I, you know they, they're like that is so fucking cool that you uh, you know have that appreciation for the music and uh you know everybody was so accepting and it is like this incredible community um and like even now that electronic music has blown up and it's you see more of it in like uh on the radio and everything between like you got uh like zed you've got the chain smokers they started out as like a, a solely uh edm doing remixes and everything so these uh when you see this kind of blow up a lot of people see it as like kind of the degradation of the community i really don't see that i think it's you know that community is so strong and so powerful for everybody who's experienced it that it pushes its way into society um, that kind of music is just really, uh, bringing some good out there. Yeah. There's that whole thing of, of tribe or family again, right? Like the second you walk in, they're taking you under their wing. That's so cool. I think that's a really cool experience to have where you're not a hundred percent sure about something, but you say, fuck it, I'm just going to go try. And it ends up working out perfectly. That is one of the best feelings in the world. You said earlier that, um, you like that I am, am comfortable being uncomfortable, I guess is a way to put it. And that is one of the reasons why is like just saying, all right, fuck it. Like, let's see how this turns out. And then having it be amazing and getting like this rush of adrenaline is, is one of the best feelings ever. Something you've talked about quite a bit throughout this. And um, obviously it was a big part of that story was mental health. So if you have to write a little bit of a, a mental health guide for dummies, in like one minute or less, what would you say your top ways to maintain good mental health and to keep yourself happy are? Um, I think the, one of the big ones is pay attention to the stories that you're telling yourself. Um, I will tell people all the time that, um, you know, how I'll ask somebody, I'll say, when somebody says that you're ugly or somebody says that you are weird or kind of annoying and things like that, how badly does that affect you? 
And usually they're somewhere around, I don't know if you on a scale of one to 10, they're like four five, six, you know, they're right in the middle. They're like, yeah, it kind of hurts, but it's like, that's them. It's, it's not me. And it's like, well, how many times a day do you tell yourself similar things? Do you tell yourself that you're not capable of things? Do you tell yourself that um, you're afraid of something? And if, if th that's coming from outside of you and it's affecting you to four, five, and six, can you imagine how the voices coming from inside are affecting your mental health and the way that you perceive the world? Um, and so uh, I've done some research on things like uh, affirmations and things like that. And it sounds so insane. You know, basically purposefully telling yourself things over and over and over again until you believe it. Um, it. There's something about that that we've just been fed that that's what a crazy person does. But it's really just it, the person that you believe the most is yourself. Uh, and you have to speak kindly to yourself. You have to change the narrative within your own head, honestly, so that you can be effective and get kind of get out of your own way. Yeah. I love affirmations. Um, I either listen to them, say them out loud, write them in some form pretty much almost every single day. I'd consider myself to be someone who's very self-confident. And I think that's been a big reason for it is I was, when I was in high school, I wasn't confident at all. Um, I struggled talking to people. I wasn't friends with too many people. I mean, I, I had a lot of friends. People knew who I was mostly just cause I, I played baseball and people in general tend to know who athletes are, but I was nowhere close to who I am now. And right now I can just go talk to a fucking stranger and, and have a five minute conversation about nothing. And, and have it be a good time. But back then I was so stressed, so worried about everything, but affirmations were a really big part of me, I guess in my glow up socially and, and being able to talk to people, something about them just really hits your brain in a different way. And especially like this might sound so stupid. Like I'm some of them, I imagine myself as like a, a, a fucking gladiator or something like in 300, you know what I mean? It sounds so stupid. Like they don't have to make sense. They really don't. If but it makes like, you feel good, like just do it. Hell yeah, man. Like, like, and you think about those guys and you think about conquering the day or, or even just trying to put a smile on your face or trying to get out of bed, whatever it is, something about listening to them, writing them, speaking them has made such a profound impact on me. So I'm glad to hear that it has on, on you as well. And I urge any listener to try it. <clears throat> I don't know what it is about it, but something about like programming yourself that way and making sure that like you get to choose the thoughts that you have to a certain extent, not all of them, but you get to choose the thoughts that you have. So if the thoughts that you choose to have are ones that empower you, that push you towards your goals, that push you to feel better about yourself and that push you to feel better about the world around you and then instill all that in everyone else around you. Boom. Like, I, I don't know what could be better for you. Yeah. And, and that's like uh, kind of a, like a perfect segue into the other thing that I was going to say was that um, you were saying that you get to, you kind of get to choose the thoughts that you have. Um, and I don't want anybody hearing this to think that there are, su there is such a thing as like, uh, well, sorry, there, there are bad thoughts, but it's not necessarily a bad thing to have bad thoughts. Um, and so I have done a lot of practicing of mindfulness. And so being able to recognize when you get into that rut of bad thoughts and this circular thinking of just kind of winding yourself down into a hole, um, being able to recognize that and kind of just accept that, just be like, okay, that's where I am right now. That's not where I'm going to continue to be. 
um, I'm going to choose to go ahead and stop that cycle and move forward. Um, so you're not punishing yourself for feeling those things. You're not getting down on yourself for feeling those things. They're perfectly normal um, in any type of stressful situation. And so, it, it, and especially again, for those who have struggled with um, mental health in the past, you, you'll, you'll know that those things just kind of crop up out of nowhere before you even know it, you're, you're up to your limit with anxiety. So you have to build the tools that you need to be mindful, understand yourself, understand the things that are going in, going on in your mind, just observe them at first. Um, and then be able to kind of gently redirect yourself in the way that you, you want to manifest. Yeah. Before you even said the word, word uh, mindfulness, the first thing that popped up in my head was meditation. Um, because the, one of the biggest lessons I've learned from meditation is just finding a place of being grounded and being centered in yourself. And when you're centered in yourself, you can look at all the thoughts and observations that you have almost as like a third party. And you're looking at the, the things going on inside your head and you're just like, oh, okay. And you don't judge yourself for them is the big thing. That's one of the lessons that I've learned from meditation teachers and just experience within myself is that when you have a thought during meditation, like that's okay. You know, it, it, the, the whole point of it is saying, okay, I had this thought. I see it. I'm not going to judge it. Now I'm just going to try to get back to that place of centeredness. And that's why that's one of the big things of when I'm uh, doing very well mentally, it's because I'm, I'm doing some sort of mindfulness or meditation or something like that every day and finding that centeredness so that <clears throat> if I do have thoughts that come up that could be bad thoughts or whatever it is, I can look at it from a place of as little judgment as possible and be like, hey, that's okay. Like, we're still here. We're still alive. We're going to find a way through it. Let's fucking go. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and I know what a lot of people are thinking when they hear this is that I don't have the time or I can't afford to give up that time to do that. Um, and I'm going to say very emphatically that you don't have, you can't afford not to, um, whether if right now you can function without it, um, and, and be fine at that level of whatever you're going through, um, having those tools and building that, those skills now before you get to that place um, and not to say that everybody's going to get to that place, but to have those skills, um, you, it will be very few and far between that you'll find a situation where you cannot handle it by centering yourself, getting into your mindfulness, like you had mentioned, just being, a, uh, uh, an unjudging observer of your own situation and your own mind, uh, is, is very, very important. So, um, if, if I, if you can, uh, excuse the shameless plug, definitely look into mindfulness. So you just described something that I've had trouble putting into words for about a year now. Over the past year, I haven't been too great mentally. I think it's because I've been kind of running myself dry. So in the fall of 2019, I was on the e-board of DSP and the e-board of SAMU, which is Sigma Alpha Mu. It's like a regular social fraternity. It's not as bad as what you'll see on TV and what the news tells you, but um, it is socially focused instead of professionally focused. I was on the e-board of both. I was a supervisor at work. I was still taking all my classes and I had to worry about all the other things in life that everyone else does. And that's not a bad situation at all. Even the slightest bit, like people could have it, have it so much worse. So I'm very grateful for everything. Um, but at the time, and even still now looking back at it, I guess 
I don't know if other people put pressure on me, but I put a lot of pressure on myself to do well. And what came with that was finding time for things, finding time for school, finding time to go to the gym, finding time to talk to my parents, finding time to still go out and have fun. And I neglected things like meditation, like journaling. Um, the same thing happened in the spring. <clears throat> um, I had a lot going on in my life, kind of like personally, um, just with different people in my life. And again, nothing bad at all uh, for, for myself, but I put a lot of pressure on myself to be there for, for people. We're going through a little bit of a tough time in Sammy, but a good time also. We won our President's Cup, which is for best like social Greek organization on campus. So that was good. But again, put even more pressure on myself. Um, and I was president of Sammy at the time and still on DSPE board. So between all those things, the number one thing I neglected was the meditation. I always said, oh, I don't have time. I'm too busy. If I need to study for this exam, I can't meditate. That's 20 minutes. That's five minutes that I can't afford to spare. But it's like, if I think about how much time I'm spending doing useless shit on my phone every day, like scrolling through Instagram or the weeks where I just like, I never had bad anxiety, but I did have anxiety. I never had depression. Uh, I don't think, but I would, I would be on that line of like, I know I should do this because I need to take care of myself mentally. And if I don't do this today, the next week is going to be miserable for me. But getting mm -hmm. into that place of I was miserable for like a week or two and I couldn't get myself back up to doing what I needed to do to take care of myself was really hard on me because I had never encountered that in my life. I've always been really good at taking care of myself and doing when doing well mentally, but taking that time off and being like, Oh, this really isn't that important. Fucked me over. It's actually the most important thing. Like you said, like you can't afford not to do it because if you don't do it, then what comes next is just makes life so much worse for you. So thank you yeah. for putting that into words that make sense in my brain because I've been thinking right. about that concept for a while. And it's, and it's wild that, um, you know, people understand that say if you're an athlete in the off season, you don't stop working out in the off season just because you don't have a game that week. Um, and so if you, if you don't have challenges with your mind and the, the pressures that come with life, um, exercising that like any other muscle in your body is super, super important. So, um, yeah, I think we, we could probably go back and forth on how important this is for, for ever. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just, I, I think you're going to hear the same thing from both of us that, um, this is just one of the best things that you can do view for yourself as early on as possible. Um, because the sooner that you learn this, the sooner that you can, um, be honest with yourself and the things that you want to get out of your life and just, just go for it. Yeah. For, for those listening who don't know Justin or even those that do Justin and I get, we, we beat each other up over this because we'll get back from the bar having a good time with all of our friends. It'll be 2 AM and we'll just sit there talking about deep shit like this for like another two hours and they go, well, it's 4 AM. I have class at eight. I should probably go to bed now. <laughs> um, so this is a regular occurrence, especially um, at weird times, like after the bar or after a party or something. So we talk about this stuff all the time, but I'm glad that we were finally able to record it and put it into a format where other people can hear it. Because I think you have a really cool story. All the lessons that you've learned, I feel like are very important for anyone to hear. Uh, the things that, <clears throat> if you're a listener, that I really want to hit on are finding that tribe and family, the mental health stuff, and that any journey is okay as long as you can learn from it. Um, I guess if there's, as, as one last question before I ask if you have anything for me is, 
if you could distill this whole conversation down to most important things that you want someone to, to take from it, what would they be? Um, I think that you, you need to practice, um, early and often, uh, being honest with yourself. Um, it's so easy to lie to yourself. Um, because honestly, the, the, when you tell yourself the truth, it hurts more often than it, than it, it feels like it helps. Um, we just by the, the creatures that we are, we, we, uh, shy away from discomfort, like we've talked about. So you just have to learn what honesty, you know, really looks like you, you can't, um, take it easy on yourself, um, you know, you should be nice to yourself, but you can't, you can't take it easy on yourself and, and shy away from those conversations, um, that you need to have with yourself to, to bring yourself, uh, to a better place. So, um, I think we've shared a couple of ways to do that uh, over the time that we've talked, but, um, that's, that's something that just that phrase being honest with yourself has helped me through. I can't tell you how many things. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. That's awesome. Uh, for anyone listening, make sure to take that to heart. Justin, thank you for such an awesome conversation and for providing so much value to both myself and the listeners. Obviously, we've talked about this stuff, like I said, a bunch of times, but every time we talk, I get more and more from it. Um, and I love having these conversations and talking about these things with you. Before we end this episode, do you have any questions for me? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll start by saying that, you know, you've been talking about doing this for a very long time. I'm super proud that you've uh, taken the step to start up uh, your podcast here. Um, what I'll ask, I guess, is are you having fun, man? I, it seems like this is just it for you and, and you're you're really happy. So I, I want to know, are you having fun and, and how's that? How's it feel? Uh, first, thank you, man. I appreciate that quite a bit. You're very accomplished. So it means a lot. Uh, hearing that from you two I'm having a fuck ton of fun with this um, this is just I mean this is only going to go up in audio <clears throat> um, but for everyone who's listening that isn't watching I've been smiling this whole time I love talking about this stuff it's an experience for me because I'm self-admittedly being honest with myself an awful listener I love making things about me I love being the center of attention, Justin. I mean, nodding. don't don't we all? I mean, don't we <laughs> all? Justin's nodding. We um, we are business students, after all. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but being able to sit here and listen to what someone's saying, but not just the words they're saying, but the the emotion behind it, the story behind it, and finding ways to like ask questions or lead a conversation in a way that could benefit someone else's life. Like if someone else gets like to they take 40 minutes or an hour or whatever out of their day to to listen to this and i don't have very many very many listeners i have like three of my friends that listen just you know why not which i'm, which <laughs> right. I'm grateful for but if they can get like one thing from from me just sitting here having a conversation with a friend that's amazing to me you know and i think we live in a world where we can take in information so quickly but to be able to take in wisdom is a different thing and traditionally we've always read books taken wisdom that's someone's story that we're reading it's not just knowledge even if it's nonfiction. but you could be on the bike you could be running you could be on your way to work you could just be laying in bed you could be doing anything and listening to this and you gain knowledge and you learn from another human being so i think those are things that i find very important in life so it's super cool that 
you know, like I said, I might have three, maybe four <laughs> listeners, but it's so much fun to me to be able to sit here and, and do this and, and learn. So I'm very happy that I've started it. I don't know how long it'll go for, but I've talked to you about starting it for a very long time. So I'm glad that I get to have you on for episode three. And, and this has definitely been, I, I would say, no offense to the other guests, th- those were great too, but this has been the best one by far. So I appreciate it a lot, man. Hey man, I appreciate you too. It's been, it's been a pleasure. Cool. Well, that's it, everyone. Thank you for listening into episode three of Bag Talk. Please uh, let Justin or I know how this went. I will make sure to tag him in the Instagram post. He's a super cool guy. He's going to do a lot of good stuff in the world, um, whether you're talking to him about business, about life, about music. Let us know what you think, and thank you for listening to Bag Talk.